Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther and parallel how true Bible-believing Christians are the friends of Jewish people, not their enemies. This message is available for free download on iTunes or at friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, Tom Cantor has a daily devotional verse that you can sign up for at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or Friendship with God. And you'll find our daily devotional verse there on the Friendship with God page or join friends with Tom Cantor on his Facebook page. And we also want to encourage you to support this Friendship with God radio Bible teaching program and also encourage you that when you send in support, that we match that support with a donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries and Jewish Evangelism Outreach. So if you call in today with a $100 donation, we'll match that with $100 towards Jewish Evangelism Outreach. So we want to encourage you to donate. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can call now or after the program, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with our Bible teaching program from the book of Esther. Let's uh, look to the Lord now in prayer. We come to you, O great haven of rest, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our souls, calm the waters, Lord, and speak again to us of your wonderful love for us. And if there's anyone here this morning who is not in the haven of rest, grant that today would be the day when they would make their choice to anchor their soul in the haven of rest. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you turn in your Bible, please, to Esther. Esther chapter 8. We're going to look again at some of these verses and then go on into chapter 9. So if you follow along here in in Esther chapter 8, and I'll begin reading here in verse 3. Esther 8.3. And Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and if it be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come upon, come unto my people? And how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him have they hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and rulers of the provinces which are from India and Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and set letters by posts on horseback, 
Riders on mules, camels, young dromedaries, wherein the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ashuerus, namely upon the 13th day, 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar. And, let's see, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules, camels, went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace. Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor, and in every province and every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now on the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth Day of the month, the day of the same, when the king's commandment is decreed, drew near to be put in execution in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned on to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. Now, as we come now and we approach verse 1, we come to this, really it's a decisive battle between the Jews and the enemies of the Jews. And you notice in verse 1 that there's a reference to two weapons which are spoken about in verse 1. And these are the weapons that are used by the enemies of the Jews and by the Jews. For the enemies of the Jews, their weapon is called in verse 1, the king's commandment. For the Jews, their weapon is called in verse 1, the king's decree. The weapon for the enemies of the Jews was the king's commandment. That was the set date, a very important date, the 14th day of Adar. That was the date that was meticulously selected by Haman as he relied on the evil spirits to give him that date. Satan helped him to choose the correct month, the right month, and the date on that month as he was guided by the devil as he selected lots or Purim to find the best month and the date for the destruction of the Jews. It's a very important date to remember. You should never forget the date. The 14th day of the month of Adar. The date was memorialized. That's a holiday. That's Purim. That's what we have. And by the way, if you ever forget which month Purim is in, all you have to do is go to a flock of turkeys. Because turkeys will tell you the right month, see? Because turkeys know the month for Purim and the holiday Purim, and they'll give you the right month every time without fail. You just do what I say, and then you'll always get the memory and reminder of what the month is. See, all you have to do, you go up to a flock of turkeys, and you yell out the question. You just, uh, you cup your hands, you say, which month is Purim? And without fail, the turkeys will then, they'll all yell back together, Adar, 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 Adar. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. <laughs> Sorry for the diversion. All right, so <laughs> anyway, so the enemies of the Jews, they had what they needed for the destruction of the Jews. A commandment in the name of the king Ahasuerus, sealed with the king, which could not be broken. It was irreversible, as it said. You remember in Esther 3.12, where it says, Then were the king's scribes called on the 13th day of the first month, which there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants, to the governors that were in every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to their writing. 
and to every people after their language, in the name of King Ahasuerus was written and sealed with the king's ring. And that made it irreversible. And so that law, that commandment, that Haman had succeeded in getting written, written, he got that written down before he died, in the name of the king, sealed with the ring of the king, was irreversible, couldn't be changed. Couldn't just get up one day and say, oh, I don't want to do that. No, it was irreversible. Even the king, it was that way. And so Haman knew, and we can imagine Haman, as they were putting the hangman's noose on his neck there, that Haman's last thought was that, well, I die, but I accomplished my goal. And I got an irreversible law in place to destroy the Jewish people, written in the name of the king, sealed with the king's ring. I die, but all the Jews are going to die. And that was his last thought. So the enemies of the Jews, they had their weapon, this irreversible law, ordering a commandment from the king, ordering the destruction of the Jews on the 14th of Adar. Now, and we saw what happened to the law as soon as it was, it was sealed. It was given in every province. It was published in all the people in Exodus 4, 3, 14, 15. Posts went out, hastened by the king's commandment. And the decree was given also in Shushan the palace. That law was published. It was sent out to every province from Ethiopia all the way to India, a vast domain. It was written to all people, and the law required the people to get ready to destroy the Jewish people on the 14th day of Adar. And when the king's postman began to arrive in the provinces, we can only imagine what happened as this king's decree was being made public there. And we can imagine both the Gentiles and the Jews as they were reading the king's law here that was in the name of the king, and they saw the seal of the king's ring. And as the Jews read that law, what a shock. What an absolute shock. A date was set for their destruction at the hands of the Gentiles, the hands of the people. It was all in place there. And then the Gentiles, as they read the law, immediately the Gentiles then begin to divide themselves into three groups. And the Jews could identify which of the three groups the Gentiles divided themselves into. Which of the three groups the Gentiles fell into because it was how they looked at the Jews when they read this. The first group in the minority, but there's still a substantial number of them. They were the Gentiles who hated the Jews. They were the Gentiles who were the enemies of the Jews. And they turned to the Jews when they read this and smiled as if a fox licking his chops. And then they had always hated the Jews. The Jews were blessed by God and they hated that. The Jews had material wealth. They hated the Jews for that. They were the enemies of the Jews. They were jealous of the Jews. They were envious of, of the Jews of what they had. And now finally their day is coming when they could destroy the Jews. And especially they liked the part where it said that in uh, Exodus 3.13, they could take the spoil of them. They could take the spoil of them for a prey of the Jews. And that group of the enemies of the Jews, when they read that and they turned to the Jews and smiled with envy and hatred, and the Jews watched as this group of Gentiles who hated them began to make their preparations for the 14th of Adar. And the Jews saw this group as they celebrated the coming of the 14th day of Adar when they would kill the Jews. This first commandment of the king made the colors of the enemies of the Jews come out in full force. 
And the Jews knew from the first law who their enemies were. Then there was a second group of Gentiles who were the majority. And those were the Gentiles who really didn't care one way or the other. They were just apathetic. You know, they had no real, they didn't know, you know, right, wrong, we can't be bothered with things like that. They just live for the day. They're just like, they're, they're the whatever group. You know, whatever, another glove from the king, whatever. They didn't even look at the Jews. They just walked away and said, poor Jews, I'm not going to get involved. This group of Gentiles did nothing to prepare to kill the Jews. They had their own lives to worry about. They are, you know, and they just were not going to get involved in a big massacre of the Jews. They weren't going to do that. And the Jews knew who those Gentiles were in this group as well because they didn't care what happened. And then there was the third group, also a minority, but there was a third group. And those were the Gentiles who loved the Jewish people. They cared about the Jewish people. And they looked at the Jewish people when they read this decree with shock and a horror because they loved them. And they were crushed by this law from the king. And this group sought discomfort in whatever way they could, the Jewish people. They wept with the Jewish people. This group were the enemies of the enemies of the Jews. And the Jewish people knew who these Gentiles were that loved them and that cared for them, as this first commandment made their colors come out also. So the first commandment served a very important purpose for the Jewish people. It revealed who their friends were and who their enemies were. So this first commandment brought in the time when the hatred of the Jews flourished, just like a flower, just flourished, and it brought out who were the friends, who were the enemies of the Jews. Now, the disadvantaged position that the first commandment put the Jews in revealed who the friends of the Jews were and who the enemies were. And the Jews have been and have been in the past and will be in the future in a disadvantaged position as they were at this time in Esther. And true Christians, true Christians are the friends of Israel. True Christians are the friends of the Jewish people. And the state of Israel has come to recognize that and that among the Gentiles, there is this group, this group of Bible-believing Christians who are the ones who are standing up for the Jewish people when others are not. And in these last days, when the world is heading more and more toward anti-Semitism, when anti-Semitism is on the rise, it's this group of true Bible-believing Christians who recognize from the Bible that the Jewish people are the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. They recognize that they are the brethren of the Lord. And it's this group of Bible-believing Christians who stand up against replacement theology, which is a theology that says that God has cast away his people, which that theology stands in opposition to Romans 11.1, which God says he has not done that. And at this time, today, when the Jew is becoming more and more disadvantaged as the world's opinion is turning against them, more and more against the Jews, it's the true Bible-believing Christians who are putting themselves into that minority as they did in Esther's day, who care for and stand up for the Jewish people as the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the Jews during Esther's day, saw from the king's first commandment who their friends were. So the Lord Jesus Christ today, he's watching. He's watching over Gentiles very carefully to see who are the friends of his people, even though they rejected him. And as he said in Matthew 25, 34, you might like to turn to it, Matthew 25, 34, he says this. 
Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, his being on his right hand, Come, he says, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king will answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least... Of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. And naked, and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee? A hungered, a thirst, a stranger, naked, sick, prison. And did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. See, in these verses, there is a continuing theme that the Lord is saying here. And the theme is, the theme was, I was, I was, I was. And to the one group, he says, You gave me, you gave me, you took me in, you clothed me, you visited me, you came to me. And to the other group, he says, you gave me no, you gave me no, you gave me no, you took me not in, you clothed me not, you visited me not. Now, what's interesting about this passage is that for both groups, they had no clue what he was talking about. That both groups asked him the same exact question. And the question was, when? When saw we? When saw we? When saw thee? And his reply was either inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me, or it was inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. So why does the Lord Jesus Christ say that caring for the Jewish people is equivalent to caring for him? Because the Jewish people are called his own. In John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Because in speaking to the Jewish people, he said something very important. You might like to turn to this, Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63, verses 8 and 9, where the Lord Jesus, Jehovah Jesus, says in Isaiah 63, 8 and 9, For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love, in his pity, he redeemed them. He bare them and carried them all the days of old. Here's the phrase. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. When the Jews were afflicted with hunger and thirst, he felt their affliction of hunger and thirst. And when meat and drink was given to them, he said, you gave me meat and drink. When the Jews were afflicted with being a stranger and naked, he felt their affliction of being a stranger and being naked. And when they were clothed, he says, you took me in and clothed me. When the Jews were afflicted with being in sick and in prison, he felt their affliction of being sick and in prison. And when they were visited, he said, you visited me. Why? Because that's who Jehovah Jesus is. 
That's who he is. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And if he's afflicted in all the affliction of his own physical Jewish people, how much more is he afflicted in all the affliction of Christians who have become spiritual Jews? As it says in Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. That means that in all our afflictions, he is afflicted. That's who he is. That's who Jehovah Jesus is. Being afflicted in all our afflictions. That was the answer when Paul gave that question to the Lord. His first encounter with the Lord. And he had this first encounter there on the road to Damascus. His encounter with Jehovah Jesus for the first time. And he asked the question in Acts 22, 8. Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto him, I am Jesus, whom Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Whom thou persecutest, he said. The Lord's answer to Paul as to who he is, I am the one who is persecuted when you persecute Christians. Why? Because in all their afflictions he was afflicted. So the day when the first commandment came from the king that called for the destruction of the Jews and arrived in the provinces was a day when the hatred of the Jews just flourished and it brought out who were the friends and who were the enemies of the Jewish people. But every Jewish person who read this first commandment from the king knew that there was a day appointed, the 14th of Adar, in which they were scheduled to be destroyed. And with that wording in verse 1, it says that they drew near to be put in execution. You can feel the way the wording is, that drew near to be put into execution. You can feel the anxiety of it. You can feel the tension of it as the day of their destruction was coming near. They could be checking off the dates. How many more days before I'm destroyed? And with each day that drew near to be put into execution, the Jewish people watched their enemies sharpen their swords sharper and sharper and their clubs as they got it out, as they were planning to cut them and to club them to death as the king's commandment drew near to be put into execution. And there might have been some Jewish people, you never know, but there might have been some Jewish people who, like the family of Simon Wasserman in Berlin in 1939, when they had a chance to escape, said, oh, it'll never happen. It's never going to happen. I don't believe it. It's not going to happen. And if a Jewish person took that position of it can't happen, then he would have died like the family of Simon Wasserman died in Berlin at the hands of the Nazis. But what we see here is that the enemies of the Jewish people, they were armed. And they were armed with an authority. Authority of the commandment or the law from the king. And that law was calling for the destruction of the Jews in the 14th of Adar. But the Jews were also armed with an authority. That's what we get from verse 1. Another authority of a second commandment from the same king. A second commandment from the same king, in the name of the same king, sealed with the same ring of the king, sealed with the same ring of the king, and that same authority from the same king, and that decree called for the deliverance or the salvation of the Jewish people by giving them the authority to destroy their enemies on the 13th day of Adar, the day before. But in order for the Jewish people to be delivered, they had to do two things. One, they had to read and understand 
that the first commandment was their problem. Maybe it wasn't so difficult for them to do that. And if they didn't take the first commandment seriously, like we just talked about the family of Simon Wasserman, then they would be destroyed. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource for this month is from Tom Cantor, and it's called How Would You Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53? This is a uniquely written presentation of the gospel that you'll really enjoy. Now, we'll also include Tom Cantor's personal testimony of how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll receive both of these resources from Tom Cantor for a $10 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. Now, with every donation, you'll receive a matching donation from Israel Restoration Ministries that will go back towards Jewish evangelism outreach. Now, we've got a call center that has reached over a million lost Jewish people, and we've also got Jewish evangelism outreach with missionaries working part-time and full-time that have reached over 5 million lost Jewish people the last three years, face-to-face, door-to-door, person-to-person, and they've gotten the gospel into their hands with Jewish evangelism gifts from Israel Restoration Ministries. They've built relationships with them, presented the gospel, and many Jewish people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior through Israel Restoration Ministries. So when you send your support, we'll match it so this Bible teaching radio program can stay on the air and the gospel can continue to go out to the Jewish people. So call us today with your donation. Receive these two resources from Tom Cantor, 1-800-247-3051. Again, a $10 or more donation will get you these two resources, one 800 247 3051 1-800-247-3051 Keep the gospel going out to the Jewish people or go to friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org Thanks for listening.